0: My passage, once again, is found in John chapter 10. As we move through this great section, verses 30 to 42. Um, To my slide projection crew, follow me as best you can. Father, as we come to your word, we would hear from you. We would ask that you open our ears our inner ear. Open the ears of our heart and the eyes of our heart, so that, Lord, we can hear and see from Jesus, for he is our Lord and Savior. You sent him to be such, Father. Thank you for loving us and making us part of your family through him. We were orphans, but you took us in, made us your children, made us your heirs. Blessed be your name. You are worthy of all praise, honor, and glory, and you are worthy of our lives. So we lay ourselves before you, O Lord, preacher and those to whom he preaches. We lay our lives before you. We give ourselves to your cause, to your way, to your will. May may thy kingdom come. May your will be done. Holy Father, give us ears to hear now. May Jesus be exalted and may our lives continue to be changed because we have been in your presence, worshiping your great name, sitting under your word. In Jesus' name, use your unworthy servant. You know how weak he is. In Jesus' name. Amen. beginning of verse 30 of John 10 I and the father are one the Jews picked up stones again to stone him Jesus answered them I have shown you many good works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me the Jews answered him It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him, whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. Many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. That is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Praise Team. Thank you so much for the beautiful music. Thank you. This is not a political statement, so don't go out of here saying it's political. Former President Al Gore did a documentary film called An Inconvenient Truth. It was designed to educate Americans about the threat of global warming. It builds itself as the most terrifying film you will ever see. And I'm not here to debate the truth or non-truth or whatever of global warming. The title is what arrests me and it interests me. You see, VP Gore assumed that global war- warming was inconvenient meaning it wasn't something many people wanted to hear. If it is true, it will influence, maybe even cramp our lifestyles. It's inconvenient. It will make obligations on us. It will influence how corporations and individuals spend their money. It will indict us for our consumption of the earth's resources without care. All of this is inconvenient. It is better that that discussion go away. He said it wasn't a political issue, but a moral issue. Now here's the thing. That sounds like Jesus to me. Whatever you think about global warming, I have my views, you have yours, amen. We are to be good stewards of God's creation. Now that I'll stand on, no matter what. But that, the way he described this sounds like Jesus. Because Jesus is not an inconvenient truth. Jesus is the inconvenient truth. Jesus is the most important reality facing this planet. Not global warming, not abortion, not the economy, not the LGBTQIA movement, not the poor, not racism, not China or North Korea, and not even who's in the White House. But the most important reality facing this planet is the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus dominates history. But not all people enjoy him. You see, the real Jesus, in all of his glory, makes people uncomfortable. He is even seen as dangerous. I'm going to come back to this, but let me just tell you now. That means the more you look like him, you will be seen the same way. Christians. What makes Jesus so inconvenient in people's lives? Isn't he sometimes inconvenient in yours? Verse 30 connects two sections here. He ties them together. He's been talking about the good shepherd and the good shepherd caring for his sheep. And in verse 30, he gives us the reason why the sheep are so secure in his hand because he and the father are one. But then there's a reaction to that statement. And that reaction... Shows us why Jesus is so dangerous and so inconvenient. His claims in his person can be frightening. Let's get to the heart of it. The deity of Christ overthrows our inaccurate view and views of God. Here, as you can see, is the doctrine of the Trinity, at least two-thirds of it. The Holy Spirit's implied because he's the one who opens our eyes to see these things. Here's the doctrine of the Trinity. I and the Father are one. Jesus is saying that he and the Father are one in purpose, in particular here. He's in purpose of glorifying God in the salvation of people that the Father gives to the Son to bring into his kingdom. You saw this a couple weeks ago. The Father, as it were, is handing off to Jesus a people that he might save and hold on to and keep forever. He calls them his sheep. But you can't ignore what the other thing that statement says. It says that the Father and the Son are one in essence, in divinity though two distinct persons. (laughs) You see, no human being can be absolutely one in purpose with God unless he or she shares God's essence. You can't, you you and I are not one, (laughs) as it were, truly one. Like the Son is one with the Father. So many times I've seen Christians tricked up by Jehovah Witnesses when they knock on your door, and some of you have experienced this, and they they begin telling you that Jesus is a God and not the Almighty God because they reject the Trinity. That's so deadly. And I don't want you to fall for that. The Trinity tells us that God exists in three distinct persons, yet one being one being. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and neither are they the Holy Spirit. You say, I don't understand that. Really? We're talking about the being of God, not your being. Oh, we can dissect you, and we've done it, we've dissected human beings for many centuries. We can un- we understand a lot of the human body, and yet there are things we don't understand about the human body because we're so finite. How much more, if we don't understand fully our own bodies, how much more do you think you can understand the being of God? I'm okay with that. As a matter of fact, I rejoice in not being to understand all that is about God. It makes me understand God is God and I'm not. I'm okay with that. But the the, the striking thing here is, you know, the reaction of the Jewish leaders when Jesus makes this statement. They try to kill him, and then foregoing that, they try to arrest him. That's That's how this section is bracketed. Verse 31, let's kill him. Verse 39, arrest him. And I'm assuming arrest him so they could kill him. That's my assumption. Jesus' claim here, if understood, is uncomfortable for most, and for most people even dangerous. The Lord seems to be b- borrowing here from the Shema. The Shema is the, not a Jewish prayer. It's a Jewish creed or confession. And you've heard it before. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. It combines that last verse as well. This is the Jewish creed that, that was... A, that made Judaism distinct from the nations around them. We have one God, he is supreme creator of all things and therefore all, everything that exists that are called gods do not exist. It was a battle cry. In one sense, in one sense, the centuries later, millennial later, you, were, you, be, you today have become aware of a phrase Allah Akbar, that's a confessional creed of Muslim people. Way before that, way before that, the Lord Israel chanted, Yahweh, the Lord, that's 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 all the capital letters, the name of God, Yahweh, our God, Yahweh is one. The Lord is one. Jesus is borrowing from that phrase. The Father and I are one. He's borrowing from that phrase. And believe me, they got it. He is is saying, all that you worship as gods do not exist. I and the Father are one. We are God. And still one God. Paul picked it up. I don't know if we have this on the screen or not, but Paul picked it up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 4 through 6, he picks this up and he says, therefore, he's talking about eating food sacrificed to idols. And the Jewish, remember, I'm sorry, when, the, when, when, when Gentile Christians came into the church, they were still eating pork, you know, that was sacrificed at the, at the temple barbecue pig feet and chitlins and whatnot, and, 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 and the Jews, and the Jewish Christians were going, ah! <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, Paul has to talk to the Corinthian church about this kind of thing. And so, he says this, therefore, as to the feeding of the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there, are may, there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth… As indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, come on, Christians, yet for us there is one God the Father, for whom all are all things, and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom watch this, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Listen to what he's saying. The Father and the Son, for whom all things through whom we exist. This is first century teaching. Christians have always believed in the deity of Christ. And yet today we are seeing those who within the name of Christ say, no, he's not. Why? It's inconvenient and dangerous to believe in the deity of Jesus. It's, it's like a shot over the bow. That reality changes everything. Brandon Smith in his book, The Biblical Trinity, says, talking about the Shema, now has a Christian inflection, referring to Paul's statement. Such that you hear Paul saying, listen, church, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are one. The Corinthians needed to hear Paul's words to remember, to turn away from idols and toward the one God and Lord. And we need to hear it too. Because though, though, though today we don't have little, little statues that we bow down before, yet we are full of idols. Idols of the heart and mind, idols of the culture. That we say we must have or anything you say you must have that will give you meaning, purpose, and direction in life has become an idol. If you must have it, and it can be a good thing. It can be a really good thing. That's, that's the danger of idols is because they are cr- things God has created, usually, that we then m- turn into things that are ultimate things. Things that we must have, that if we don't have, life, as we know it, will not be good. And that's how we're being sold. That's called advertising. That's called advertising. <laughs> that's called advertising. We, we, we tell people, you need this to have your best life now. You need this car. Oh, that hoopty you driving? No, man, you need this car. I know, hoopty, I just dated myself. That might my phone, is it? <laughs> that get out and, we used to call it a 1919 get out and push. You driving that, man. That Flintstone mobile, you need the new hotness. That, that house you living in, oh man, that ain't, you, you, you need this. You need this address. That's amazing. That job you got that a year ago, you loved your job. Now, oh, I can't stand Because somebody got a promotion and now you got to have that job. I mean, it's all kinds of things. John Calvin said our hearts are idol factories. We just create them. A certain standard of living, a certain family. Structure We got to have and all good things It's just when you say you gotta have it, it Is when you say you must have it or you look to anything in creation to be your identity To be your source of meaning and purpose To be your ultimate happiness anything that you look to in creation to give you that is an idol. And Paul said, an idol is nothing. Those things, because of where you are, because of of your desire, you have just reduced them to nothing. They're not nothing in themselves, but but because of your worship of them, you've reduced them to nothing. You've actually short-circuited your own happiness. Because you you are hardwired, hardwired for the living God. And you will never find true ultimate happiness and identity in anything other than him. And Jesus stands before you and says, I and the Father are one. You must find your identity in me. That's dangerous. That's not convenient. Because he, he's cutting off everything else. He's cutting off all my other attempts to find identity, happiness, and worth. He, he's cutting off. Can I say it? This is online, isn't it? Oh, boy. He's cutting off all other religious faiths. He's doing it. He's saying their gods don't exist. Mm -hmm. That's inconvenient. And dangerous. Ultimately, we... Jesus claimed. I mean, we can't he did claim to be God. He said it right there. The, the I am statements we've been looking at in the Gospel of John, I am the good shepherd, I am the door, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, the I am statements that refer to the burning bush God. Hey, he's been he's been saying it. He said it himself. He refers to himself as the Son of Man in the Gospel of John. and all of the Gospels, you see that phrase, Son of Man. That phrase comes from John chapter… That's right, Daniel chapter 7, where, where Daniel sees is up there, oh, good. Here we go. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man. He came to the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, and, and was presented before him. And to him, that's to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, watch this, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus, when he said, I am the Son of Man, was saying, that's me, deal with it. (laughs) <laughs> he was in their face constantly about himself being the son of man. And even the son of God here in John in particular. Oh. But the real kicker, you know what the real kicker is? Jesus rose from the dead as he predicted he would. And at least 500 witnesses to that fact saw him alive. That's First Corinthians 15, by the way. Paul even says this himself in Ro- about the resurrection. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Speaking, he says, and was speaking of Jesus, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, in that culture, uh, 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 Christians meant God. That's why the Christians could not say Caesar is Lord and died for it because Jesus is God. You see how dangerous this is? You see how dangerous this is? People died for the very idea and still do today. Jesus is God. Now, many want to claim that Jesus was a good moral teacher, a good religious leader, a doer of good, a a, a champion for the poor, whatever. He was a revolutionary. They want to say all those good things about him. Maybe even he was a prophet, some would say. But that's not good enough. You know where I'm going. C.S. Lewis um, combated that kind of thinking. Charles... Um, Clive Staples Lewis was a Christian apologist. Who, actually, he was a professor, um, I think, at Cambridge in literature, I believe. And he was also an earlier Christian apologist of the 20th century during World War II. And after there, he was exceptional. He wrote some great things. I hope you will read some of his writings. Here's one from Mere Christianity, it's one of his classics. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus is a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing one must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. You can't go around saying I and the Father are one and be a great moral teacher. Lewis goes on, he would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg. That's hilarious. That's British humor, or else, listen, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, crazy, or something worse, devil. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Right. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. End quote." Lewis, is, that was so that's brilliant. Listen, he's right. Jesus said things that were recorded and written down that was, that are so out of this world that you even got to say, he crazy. He's the devil. Think about how many people have died in his name. Come on, folks. Think about these realities. How many people have died in his name? If he is not who he said he is, we should expunge his name from history. We, 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 we should never speak it. He should, be, he should be illegal. Like the Nazi flag in Germany. We should never fly his, his colors. But if he is who he said he was, then nothing is too good for him, for us. He can have me, take me, I'm yours. I don't care what people say about me, I'm his. I don't care how much they complain about, I belong to him. Are you there? Because because we spend so much time trying to make the culture happy with us, trying to be cool trying to be hip and, you know. When I was, when my my wife and I were a little younger, we were part of this youth ministry in our church. And um, I never forget the, the youth leader at that time. His goal was this, I wanna, we wanna show the world that we can be a Christian and still have fun. That was the goal of our youth ministry. I mean, okay, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I can go a little bit with that, a little bit, but the goal of our youth, is that the goal of, my, of your Christianity? Show the world you can be a Christian and still have a good time? I suggest to you it is practically true for many who name the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is inconvenient. His ways are inconvenient. His person is inconvenient. And if you identify too closely with him, it gets dangerous. In some countries, that means your life is at stake. in America, it may mean something else. To associate it with him. when you refuse to bow down before the other gods. when, when you refuse to give yourself and give your body away. Because you, you serve Jesus, you know Jesus, because He's everything to you. And you hear what His Word says. You see, you, you're not going to be popular. I don't, I'm not just talking to teenagers. If you won't play the game in, the, in corporate America, because you have a higher king, a higher corporate CEO. CEO. <laughs> You see, that's what's happening. See, let's… Okay, okay I got fine. i I'm, I'm getting ahead of my notes. I know you're trying to follow me. I don't know where I am. Don't worry about it. Just hang in there. You see, Jesus is so dangerous. Why? The deity of Christ overthrows our self-sovereignty. We think we're in control. We want to run the show. And Jesus steps in. When you not acknowledge his deity, your ability to be in control of your life takes a real shot. Why? Because if Jesus is God, he and his kingdom must have our full allegiance above all other relationships, including the state and family. Get the car, Mike! Well, let me tell you, he said it. Luke chapter 14, 26 to 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I didn't say that. There's a book called I Wish Jesus Hadn't Said That. I have it. I think that's one of the statements. of the book. Don't you wish Jesus hadn't said that? I mean, really? Now hold it now. Jesus gave us this. The, 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 the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments, commandment number honor your mother and father, commandment number five. Okay, five. Thank you for saying it. <laughs> commandment five. So, you know he's not telling you to actually hate your family. He's not actually saying that. But what he is saying is, is, is even more challenging. He's saying that because of your devotion and love of Him, your care for others in your family or wherever, even your own self, looks like hate. It's a comparison He's making. He's saying, you see me as so glorious. Okay, let me, let me give it. Have you ever, I mean, come on, somebody. Have you ever just seen something so beautiful and so amazing that you just stopped and stared. I'm going to tell you the truth. was when I met Sandy. And I realized, oh, baby. <laughs> i never forget that moment. We're at the table talking with this evangelist on campus. And Sandy is sharing the word of God. And I'm going, go, go, girl. You tell me the book. Hit me with the scripture. And, and, then she, and then she did the brothers help me out, she did the thing she got up and walked away now she was now she wasn't trying to do anything but she didn't have to it was like and I looked my boy I said man, that's a good sister he said yeah man. <laughs> so something's things just grab you you just go oh the Grand Canyon, a sunset. we in Miami. Miami had the most amazing sunset. Come on, y'all remember the sunsets and the sun rises in Miami. Woo. The views here. I'm, I'm coming over the ridge and I'm looking down in, uh, into, the, into the valley, or oh, oh, coming off lookout, Mountain. Oh my goodness, guys. Woo! I'm almost running off the road, you know? It's so beautiful. Family. That's Jesus. Have you seen him like that? Have you, does he take your breath away? Do you, do you, does his love and his glory and his kindness and his, does he blow your mind? Do you go. You see when you see you see you, 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 I know you're with me. When you see Jesus like that, every, everybody else gets in line. Amen, amen. Oh, you still love them. <laughs> you still love them. No, you don't stop loving family and, 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 you know, you don't do that. God, that's crazy. But man, they get in line. Amen. You see, that's why Jesus is so dangerous. When you recognize who he is as son of God, you see, this frightens people who idolize family who idolize ethnicity, who idolize ancestral heritage. This terrifies governments that demand absolute uncompromising allegiance. China, Sharia law countries, Russia, North Korea, etc. Challenges. This is a gut punch to out-of-control patriotism, some of this Christian nationalism stuff, some of that. Not all of it, but some of it. This is a death sentence to egocentrism that makes you and your comfort the center of the universe, you see? You see, when you see Jesus, all of that stuff got to go. It's, it's, there are, that's idolatry, and Jesus stands up and says, <laughs> he kicks him out the way. That's when you see Jesus like that. And as Christians, yes, we are called upon to obey the laws of our land and to seek the peace of our cities. Yet we do so by living our lives under the authority, not first and foremost, the state, but under the authority of the kingdom of heaven and its king. Because we, as Paul said, now Paul was a Roman citizen, that Gave him privilege. Okay, at one point they beat him in Acts. They beat him, and Paul said, "Is it right that you beat me without trial, and I'm a Roman citizen?" Man, everybody got scared. Oh, oh! They started cow, cow. <laughs> they got because the, they knew that was wrong. Membership, <laughs> citizenship has a privilege. Okay, but that same Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. And we look there for a savior. You see, he recognized his citizenship. Roman though it was, it was nothing compared to being a citizen of the kingdom of God. I don't care if your guy or girl wins the White House and you are excited and happy that the next president is the person you voted for. Don't you understand you have a higher president? And and he's beholding to no party. None of them, none of them can touch him. He owes them nothing. But we owe him everything. This is Jesus. You see, this is why seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness changes everything. Because we have a God who is king, who is Lord, who is master, who has proven his worth and proving who he is by his resurrection from the dead. By uh, by the good works that he did, caring for those who were poor, caring for those who were just just hurting. Jesus didn't only care for poor people, y'all. Y'all do know that, right? There were rich folk. there were people who had means who came to Jesus and he cared for them. Jesus doesn't, he, he's not, he doesn't care if you're poor or rich. He's going to care for you because he loves you. You see, if you get this wrong, see this stuff is, so much is happening in the church in our country because we, we've gotten this wrong. We, we claim that Jesus is Lord and we call him our God, but we end up worshiping idols. You're a gang. You're a family. You're a tribe. You're ethnic group. You're a political group. They all fail. They all fall in comparison to the glory and majesty of Jesus. We've all failed. We all stand guilty. We all need to repent to remind ourselves once again who's really king. Who's really God. You see, when you see Jesus like this that that hurts man <laughs> you know that that stuff goes right to the core of your being and you go oh and you, a sense of guilt maybe a sense of dependence a sense of accountability that's repugnant to humanity in our natural state outside of grace we don't want those th- no we want to be strong and mighty and my way. I can be anything I want to be. I can do it all. I mean, we want to be those people. It's just another way of saying I'm in control, right, right, right. and I'm going to do it my way. And Jesus says, "I and the Father are one." Mm-hmm. It's meant to humble us, right. but it didn't. Those folk. What did they do? Let's kill him. Because that is the response of unbelief to Jesus because he's so dangerous. See, they knew they couldn't control him. Their agenda was not his agenda. And that's sometimes true of you. You may have an agenda and you think it's all well and good, but the answer is it's Jesus' agenda. And he may not want that for you, and that's Okay. He's got something better. But we fight and kick and scream and try to do it anyway because of idolatry. You've forgetting, you're forgotten who God is and it's not you, just in case you were confused. He is dangerous to our self-esteem and to our autonomy. And when I say self-esteem, I mean the way we treat self-esteem. Your self-worth is something that it comes from knowing who you are in Jesus. It comes from knowing you're a son of God or daughter of God. That, that's yourself. You have a Christ esteem, not a self-esteem, a Christ esteem. That will keep you going, that will build you up. You know who you are. You are a child of God. That is everything. That will give that will level you out. That will give you hope. That will give you strength. That will give you confidence. That will come on, somebody. Am I by myself here? Come on. That see, that's what I need to know. I'm in Christ. Not that I can look in the mirror and say, you're getting better every day. You're handsome, you're beautiful, you're smart. You can do anything you want to do, Kev. That's not going to help me. It's going to help me become an idolater. <laughs> and, a, and a so-and-so probably too, you know. Kevin K.B. Burgess said, no one was more dangerous than the Lord Jesus. From the moment he arrived on the scene, Jesus posed a threat to the unjust, a threat to the oppressors, and a threat to every semblance of authority wielded by the kingdom of darkness. Jesus is what happens when all that is good, true, and beautiful is perfectly embodied in a human being living in a world that is the opposite of all three. So much so that his very existence becomes an act of rebellion. Oh, that's good, Kev. He invaded our world with love for the forgotten, hope for the hopeless, and freedom for the bound. His theme song of mercy, grace, and truth defied every, anyone and anything that dares to play a different tune. His ideas were disruptive, subversive, and I dare say scandalous to the world around him. They challenged the status quo and turned the ancient world upside down. That's the Jesus we need to know. And and as we know that Jesus, come on, come on. When we know that Jesus, we are being transformed into his likeness. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, right? We're beholding him and we're being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. The more you hang out with Jesus, the more you submit yourself to Jesus, the more you humble yourself under His ways, He will make you more like Him. He will lead you to through His, through His Word and say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. He will work in you and transform you as you sum, submit your desires and hungers and needs to Him. He'll do it. Day by day, He'll do it. and But when He does it, I gotta quit. When he does it, you become dangerous. Are you okay with that? Are you okay? You see, it's it's not, first of all, what you do that makes you dangerous. I, I mean, you may be picketing, running up and down, saving the poor, helping the needy. You may be, you know, you know, tutoring everybody and giving food to the poor. You're doing all wonderful, great things. That doesn't make you dangerous. The world is doing that too. What makes you dangerous, what makes you salt and light, is your likeness to Jesus. Your likeness to Jesus as you are doing those things. Your likeness to Jesus as you're, if you refuse to compromise on your, on your wedding vows when so-and-so rubs up against you. Your, 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 your likeness to Jesus when you as a single person refuse to give your body away to somebody who is not your spouse. You refuse to do it. And when they find out that that's why you're doing it, they got names for you. When you refuse to cheat in school, and, and 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 everybody thinks, "Oh man, she ain't down, he ain't down, or whatever the word is they use today." You get labeled a do-gooder, a goody-goody, or whatever they call you, and be, because but but you chose not to do so, not because of who Jesus is in your life. Listen, that that not because you're too good. I ain't looking at my paper because you dumb. You didn't study. That ain't that ain't salt and light, y'all. Are you with me? It's the character and likeness of Jesus that makes us salt and light as we do good. Because you can do good and look nothing like Jesus. Your attitude stank. It's a horrible attitude. And you think Christian? And I know we we guilty. Christians, we guilty? Come across the. Oh, I got to end on this. I'm trying to end this. thing. I'm trying to land the plane. All right, but I did come across an article in New York Times. Bill, did you send this to me, Billy? Somebody sent this to me. I don't know. An article in the New York, New York Times where a man. This, is, this happened just this month, early this month in, in California, where a guy, guy, a guy kills, kills this dear lady who um, has a had a. a, 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 a some kind of business, and she had a pride flag, a pride flag hanging. You heard about it? Yeah. yeah. She had a pride flag hanging on it, and he cussed her out basically and said all kinds of horrible things in public, came back and shot her and killed her. While the police stand off, they end up killing him. They go on this man's X account, Twitter, X, whatever they call it now, and they see all this hatred for the LGBTQ community, just hatred. But on, but on that, also on. Where did I put it? I had it somewhere in here. Also on there, he had he had written stuff about Jesus. Beautiful stuff. Oh, I forget where I put it. Where did I put? It? Bill? Did you get that to me, Billy? Oh my goodness, that was a beautiful thing. Like, oh yeah, uh, David French. Here it is. This, here's the article. Um, he, he had he had this. Um, I thought I printed it. Oh, I didn't print it. I'm sorry. Oh, no, there, I did print it. I did print it. Here it is. I, did, I, find, I found it. My notes. I told you I was confused. He says, when your, heart, when your heart is hurting and you have nothing left to pray, speak the name of Jesus. When the tears fall and no one else can see, whisper his name. That was on his, this was on his Twitter. And more like that. Listen. Listen in the na- in so called name of Jesus you can do you can seek to have a cause that you think is important but if you behave in a way that's outside of Jesus ethics and life and teaching you end up fighting for the forces of the darkness you're fighting against When, you, when, you, when, you, when you're guilty of gossip and slander and you just listen to anything and people know who to come to get the tea. We want to get the tea. Go, go talk to so-and-so. And, you, and, and, and you're supposed to be, and everybody knows you're supposed to be a Christian. And yet, here you are being the garbage can. You can fight what you believe is the Lord's battles. And it might actually be what he did was totally wrong. That's not, that ain't the Lord, why you fight the Lord's battle. But he could have been a witness and maybe loved some people trapped in that lifestyle and and showed them the love of Christ. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? Come on, people! Instead, what they got, what that dear lady got, was a Christian being used by the devil. Ask Jesus to reveal your idols. And crush them. Amen. Father, in the name of heaven, in the name of your name, in the name of your Son, Lord of heaven, Lord, we pray that you would deliver us from idolatry, keep us from idols, and help us, Lord, to give ourselves to Jesus each and every day and be, seek his ways in our hearts and lives. Make us more like him, even if it becomes dangerous for us to be so. May we follow Jesus because he is everything. Amen.